Hello, and welcome to Conscious Hoofbeat. My name is Dr. Pamela Maynard, and I am passionate about teaching lifestyle horsewomen inner health practices through self-care, personal development, and mindfulness, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. When you learn to show up for yourself, be present and grounded, your horse will show up for you. And that's when you deepen the connection with your horse and create an authentic relationship. Before I forget, if you haven't already joined our exclusive email list, go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for the Conscious Hoofbeat Monthly to receive the free newsletter for lifestyle horsewomen. Today, I have another special guest that's joining us. Today, I want to welcome Victoria Hardesty. Victoria is a lifestyle horsewoman who has owned, bred, and shown Arabian horses for over 35 years. She got a late start with the horses due to family situations, but fell in love and can't imagine her life without one of them in it. Victoria and her husband had a small training, breeding, and boarding facility for several years with many young people that showed their Arabians and half Arabians from local shows to the national events. Even though it was fun, exciting, and exhausting work, it was fulfilling. Um, but now you're beyond the physical part of that, Victoria, aren't you? And to just have two remaining horses at home on an empty ranch, and in addition to your love for the Arabian horse, you spend your time writing novels about young people and their Arabian horses. Uh, Victoria has had five books published. Her sixth one was just released last month, and she is working on her seventh right now. So welcome, Victoria Hardesty. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. So, Victoria, um, I think we've, we've talked about this and did a little research around it, and we've found that you're the only writer currently writing novels about young people and Arabian horses since Walter Farley did back in the 1940s. And I feel that I'm not just speaking for myself, but probably almost every little girl who fell in love with Arabians and maybe even horses probably read the Black Stallion series along with Little Black, a Pony. I think I still have that book tattered somewhere in the, like the bottom of a toy box. So how, you know, how does it feel to bring that back to this day and age? Actually, it's been, it's been really rewarding just doing the, doing the writing because you, you can kind of put yourself in, in the kid's mentality and the kid's frame of mind as you're writing. You have to do that in order to express the emotion. And um, it's, it's just been very rewarding to do that. Um, uh, there's places in my books where I, I write out a scene and then I go back to read it and I can't read it without crying. But there's also places in the books that I write out a scene and I just laugh because this is stuff that I, I've seen witnessed with the young people around. Um, it, it's very enjoyable for me. It's, it's emotional for you because it's, you're really writing about lived experiences that really happened, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's, like, it's like myself. You know, I was infected with Oda Equine you know, by my two grandfathers. I lived in a town where I had two of them. And I was the um, the oldest, the first child of the youngest daughter for one. And I was the first grandchild for the other. So, I mean, I had grandpas wrapped around my finger, mm. you know, and just a pretty please to get me to the pony rides in the park. <laughs> That's awesome. And of, course, and of course, then you have to always stop at 
Dairy Queen for ice cream to wear home. So, right. you know. <laughs> so you have nothing but fond memories, right, <laughs> around horses. Yeah. So, you know, when I got older, um, horses weren't a thing that we could afford to do. And it wasn't until um, I was in my early 30s that um, my husband and I bought a house and it just happened to have two stalls, a, a shed, a wash rack, and an arena. And we loved the house. You know, we were going to buy the house regardless. Mm -hmm. But I looked outside and said, oh, we can have horses someday. Well, five years later, we had eight stall or seven stalls, but eight horses. I couldn't bring one home. So we had to look for a bigger place. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. It wasn't, so, it wasn't get rid of one of the horses. It was, we need a bigger place. I love it. That's right. Right. So, <laughs> that's so we ended the up, definition of horse crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we bought a much bigger place and um, then we just eventually set up our own training and, and breeding and boarding facility. So we had, a number of stallions that were standing here and we had um oh 20 kids on a weekend were here and they were all messing with their horses you know grooming them playing with them riding them practicing whatever um and you see all kinds of things in the barn it was just a hoot you know the summer times were really fun because it gets hot where i live and so the water fights in the barn aisle were always fun and everybody got wet <laughs> and and where some of them where are you at exactly i know you're in california but where are you at that it gets super hot we are in the mojave desert uh, north of the la basin we're actually on the north slope of the san gabriel mountains okay so we're we're at 4200 foot elevation so you know we get snow in the winter but, but it's it can get like hot in the summer yeah, it gets up there. And so, you know, you curtail your riding and you do it at, at seven o'clock at night instead. You yeah. know, and it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful then. So tell us a little more about these kids and horses that you, you who had these lived experiences with that inspired your writing and these, these seven books that you've been putting out. You know, each each one of the characters in the story, in the stories that we have, are compilations of, of kids that were here. You know, even even we actually had a boy. <laughs> you know, believe it or not. Yeah. You know that always that always baffled me because, you know, the young boys are out into their dirt biking and all that sort of thing, and the girls are all around the barn. And if you take a look around the barn and you look at beautiful girl after beautiful girl after beautiful girl after beautiful girl and they're out riding dirt bikes where the heck are they you know what were they thinking you know i know it's like every every boy needs to love horses and know how to dance and they could have all the girls they wanted right that's right that's right but you know convince them you know that dirt biking isn't the thing but um we did have one that um I'd like to ride and he was um he had a beautiful black gelding that he rode and he did quite well with the horse so it was kind of fun because he he was kind of off point on some of the girls stuff mm -hmm. so it was um it was just fun to be around him then there was always something going on in the barn and um you know the the series name Wonder Horse came from our experience there because my husband was home during that time, so he was at the ranch and he was working Monday to Monday to Sunday at home, mostly with the horses and with the the maintenance and the grounds and the upkeep. And he knew the horses really well. Every horse, he could tell you by spotting them out at the back forty who it was, but he'd get mixed up with which kid went with which horse. Mm -hmm. So so it got to the point where instead of making a mistake and getting corrected by the child, 
he just would walk by the horn, the the kid in the barn and say, how's Wonder Horse doing today? <laughs> well, that kid always knew exactly who Wonder Horse was. It was his horse they, or her horse. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. They were, they were always the most intelligent, always the most beautiful, always the most talented. And they were the, the premier horse in the whole wide world. So they were their Wonder Horse. So when Nancy and I were writing the series, we were trying to come up with a title for it. And I said, well, let's just use Wonder Horse for a placekeeper for right now. We'll come up with something better later. And we just couldn't come up with anything better. I don't think it can get much better than that, can it? Wonder, no. Wonder Horse books, right? Like, right. that's brilliant, especially Each, with the, the story to go with it. Yeah, every, every horse to their child or their young person is their Wonder Horse. Yeah, I can relate That's to that. I have four wonder horses in my backyard. Now, nobody else might think they are, but I think they are. <laughs> of course, of course. That's kind of how it works. So so that's, that's sort of how that worked out. But That's awesome. Um, the horses we created for the series, too, were, were really compilations of horses that I've seen and watched in the show ring and on on social media and and through barn tours and, and et cetera, over, over 35 plus years. And, you know, some of them you, you just get a feel for watching them. You get a feel for them and their personality. And so we try to develop that personality in each of our horse characters because they're, each one is different. Mm -hmm. um, if you take... Prince Ali, Prince Ali is a stallion. He's a halter horse and he's an English pleasure horse. He loves the show ring. It's like every time he puts his foot in it, he's going to win and he knows it. And he goes out there just with that look at me, look at me, look at me thing that I've seen in other show horses before. Sure. They get out there and they just know they're the best. And but at the same time, his best friend was there in the barn when he was born at eight years of age. And they grow up to be best friends. Becky and Ali are like linked together forever. Um, La Duquesa, um, we actually, I like the name. Um, I know it was used once before in, in a real horse. But um, La Duquesa was just a classy lady. She ended up in a bad set of circumstances. But in the book, you know, we brought her around into something much, much better. And she's always remained classy. Desperado, the third book, he was kind of the wild child of the group. Um, he was the one that he could pick any lock. He could get out of anywhere. And he enjoyed doing it. Mm -hmm. And in his case, you know, he he was living in Colorado. He'd pick a lot, get outside, and go visit the forest animals. And he made a good friend in a, one of the deer. <laughs> and she told him all the forest lore. <laughs> but it but it ended up because he had done all that that he was able to save nine other horses and ten people. And I think we all know that that desperado horse. Everybody's had a desperado in their barn, right? Like, yep. I know when I used to work at Elmar Arabians a hundred years ago, we had um, a two-year-old stud colt that he could get the double-in snaps off of his water buckets, put them in his feeder, and take his blanket off and without tearing it. And if he and <laughs> if we hadn't had it rigged, would have opened his stall door too. And you're like. Why does he know how to do this and nobody else does? There's always that one desperado in the barn. I, I have oh, one in my barn, actually. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, we, we had one, too. So um, we sort of patterned that, that whole character after it. But um, he also was courageous, you know. And he, he showed spunk when he needed it. And Desert Rose was just a sweetheart. I mean, think of a rose. This is the mayor and her personality. Mm -hmm. And that's what we tried to bring forward in that one. 
and she had fallen in love with the young boy and he with her and they'd been been separated but when they come back together it's like heaven again mm. um freedom was the first one that was kind of really different because freedom was actually based on a real horse the beginning of the book was his real story and it's heartbreaking but um he's he's in a much better place now and what we did was we aged him up and then we decided to pair him with an autistic boy that couldn't communicate. But when the two get together, just magic happens. I love and that you bring like some real life stuff that it's not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, right? Like, right. I love that because that's, that's, that's the reality of the horse world. Right. And um, Kashmir was um kind of on that order too and cashmere uh, is your most recent book right the book six that just came right. out last month right uh -huh. and cashmere the very beginning of the book is actually a biographical of the horse and um he's also in a much much better place right now and we invented a character to go with him and it's well, let me tell you this. In all of our stories, the horses talk, but they talk to each other. Mm -hmm. They talk to the dog. They talk to the deer. They talk to each other. And some of the, some of the stories actually told through the horse's dialogue with one another. And you also get a feel for their personality in what they say and how they say it. Um, Cashmere is the first one where there's any other communication between a horse and a human and that was really kind of interesting to do okay that was a I, lot of fun i i think that's very real though i my horses and i talk to each other all the time you know yes, yes. i love that you did that it, we can't always they don't talk the way we do but when you're a horse no. person you get what they're saying you get it you can have those conversations i love that you bring that to life in your book mm -hmm. that's awesome yes and you know a lot of the the horse's thoughts and feelings you know come across in the story sometimes in in you know talking to the dog mm -hmm. <laughs> because the dog the dog's non-threatening and he he hangs out and talks with them and then the horses talking to each other. They sort of fill in the blanks, which is kind of nice and, and ties the story together. And we've just had a lot of fun with it. One of the things that we try to bring out in these books is we talk about the deep connection the young people develop with their horse and the horse with them. And also the versatility of the breed, because every horse does something different. You know, we don't have just show pen horses. We have horses that cut cows. Desert Rose is a beautiful little half Arabian, absolutely gorgeous, but she loves cutting cows. Kashmir, um, guess what he ends up doing? What? He, he's a, well, they, they break tradition, Katie and, and Kashmir. Um, because she takes an Arabian horse to rodeo events Ooh. and everybody knows, everybody knows there ain't no Arabs in rodeo. No, <laughs> you know? no, I've, I've actually, I've, I've had quarter horse people say to me, you need to get yourself a real horse. And I'm like, you need yeah. to not tell me what to do, but yeah, that's a big deal to take an Arabian to a predominantly quarter horse, uh, event exactly. or industry. So, Cool. Right. So they sit and face all that um, angst and face up to it. And then, you know what? They go kick some butt. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love that you have a cat in the background talking because usually, oh, yes. usually <laughs> it's my cat. And I've had people say, who, who's that kid crying in the background? So last time I had to like announce that nobody is being abused in the background. It's Cinnamon Benjamin Brookstein. And now I'm like, full disclosure, I'm not the only one with a needy kitty. What's your kitty's no. name? Tiger. 
Tiger. Hi, Mr. Ti Tiger. And Thank Tiger is actually a character in book number seven. I love it. I love it. So it's only so, appropriate that Tiger would join us for the podcast today. Oh, of course. Yes, he's probably <laughs> he's probably looking for Chow. You know, that's, that's awesome. when he that's when he gets noisiest. But he's he's an old geezer now. He's like twenty one. Oh wow! I I've never had the privilege of having one live that long. But um, my cinnamon does it when I'm on the phone because it's like having a little kid. You know, like get off the phone, mommy, and pay attention to me. But all right, I yes. I'm not. I didn't want to totally interrupt, but I'm like I think it's cool that um, we're living in the COVID and doing stuff from home, and our pets get to partake with us. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's kind of impossible to to not, you know, I can't shut him up and tape his mouth. Right. So right. Well, that's why I figure we might as well just acknowledge him and, and bring him into the podcast. And I love that he's in one of the books. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, so Victoria, I understand that you've always loved writing and you were the newsletter editor for two different Arabian horse clubs. One of those newsletters won the communications Award of the Year from the Arabian Horse Association at their annual convention. Uh, can you share, you know, what shifted in your life that you decided to start writing this book series? Yeah, um, actually, cancer. Um, I went through um, over a year's worth of cancer treatment, and, you know, that that kicks your butt mm -hmm. and I couldn't work and um, my best friend had just gone through um, liver failure treatment um, she and I've been friends now for 55 years so that's beautiful you know we we met um, first year high school and um, she inherited an autoimmune disorder from her mother that has attacked her liver. So she had been through, I think two years on the transplant list for a new liver mm. and they stabilized her. So she wasn't getting worse. She just wasn't getting better and wouldn't ever. But um, she came off the transplant list and I think it was about six months when I was diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, we stay in touch all the time. And one day when I was in the middle of chemo, she called me up one day and she says, hey, I got an idea. Let's write a book. <laughs> so crazy idea. She'd always been a writer, but she wrote for herself. She didn't share. I saw some of her stuff, but she'd write and write and write and then throw the books away. No, that's, that's just yeah. wrong. I bet she threw some really good I know. stuff away. Yes. Yeah, so... So we decided to write together and um, we, we talked probably two, three hours a day, maybe three days a week for about a month and we plotted out Prince Ali. And um, then I type 100 words a minute, she types a respectable 40. And so I said, I'll, I'll type it up and then we'll go over it. Mm -hmm. So I took, I took that part on and and wrote out what we had come up with in our conversations. And we ended up with a phone call. Oh, God. It's okay. I was. It's all right. It's. I was listening I to a, a. It's. It, it's. It's junk call. And I of course it is. Of course off. it is. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with Warwick Schiller and Mustang Maddie about a week ago and or so, and she's like, my neighbor's at the door with a pie for me <laughs> in the middle of the podcast. I'm like, I love it. I love it. We're all human beings. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Well, life you can't happens. Yeah, you can't shut the darn phone off. I wish I could because okay. most of it's junk calls anyway. So I, it, you know, I get so many robo calls but anyway um you know we we started writing and we wrote out prince ali and then it's like what do you do with it when you're done so we started researching how to get published 
and we tried the traditional publishing method. You know, you go out and get an agent, get them interested in your work, and they sell it to the publisher. Mm -hmm. And um, writing the query letter, just the right thing is going to attract them and tell them that you're a really good writer. It's very hard. You only have a few sentences. Yeah, well, and, and they say it's, di it's different now. You know, the whole publishing yeah. world is so different now because you can put so much stuff out for free, and we have the Kindle and all these ebooks that we never had, you know, probably even like right. what, 10, 20 years ago. So it's just, it's changed a yeah. lot. Oh, it sure has. So, you know, we, we probably could have wallpapered our homes, both of us, <laughs> yeah. with rejection slips. And then, um, and then we actually got a recommendation from somebody to uh, publish of the works directly with authors. So we talked to him and I think we talked to him about 1130 one morning. And he said, um, we sent in the query letter at 1130 one morning at four o'clock in the afternoon. He emailed back and said, send me your manuscript. Oh, cool. Well, I was floored, you know, I was jumping up and down and I called Nancy and I said, guess what? He wants the manuscript, not 10 pages, you know, because oh, wow. <laughs> you know? so, most of them would only ask for about 10 pages or one chapter and he wanted the whole manuscript. And then uh, we got a contract from him in the mail at six o'clock the next morning. I was just blown away. I call so, that, I call that meant to be. Yeah, I do too. That was such, and he's such a wonderful, supportive publisher. He does such a great job. He's the one that came up with the author masterminds group that I participate in. And the author masterminds group is, oh, there's 20 writers, I think 20 or 22. And we write in every different genre. I'm the only horse person. There is one lady that writes the most lovely dog books you've ever read, hmm. but you know, they, they write everything else and um, there's options for us to work together um, to market our work and things that has been really fun and, and exciting to do. We have yeah, that, and it's great that you have said, that. You can't, you can't do this alone. You know, it's a working from home yeah. alone is a lonely road, anyways. But it's so nice to have that support mm -hmm. around you. That's cool. Right. We meet um, once a week, and we do a Zoom, a Zoom meeting, and we have one or two from South Africa. Now they're up in the middle of the night to do this. Wow. And Talk about dedication to your writing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, the publishers in Alaska, and we have writers in, I think, Utah, Idaho, Michigan, Dallas, and New Jersey. And I don't know where some of the others are, but, you know, they're spread out all across the country. Of course, I'm in California, so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we hit coast to coast on that. And, um, and we all write different genres, so we're not really competing with each other. Sure. But we, we read each other's books and help review them and stuff, too, because actually writers do pretty decent when it comes to reviewing somebody else's work. I do terrible reviewing my own. <laughs> I've belonged to a writing group now myself. Um, we always argue about when we started because it's been so long, but we're probably looking at like 15 years, you know, and you, yeah, mm -hmm. you need that second reader. We, I always say I get highway vision, mm -hmm. you know, you read your same stuff over and over and over and you sometimes don't see things the way other people would see it. So. Exactly. That's why, you know, we have, we have a couple of beta readers that read our work before it goes into for publication and they they help point out areas that, oh my God, you left these kids here and you forgot to tell us what happened to them. Oh, okay. Whoops. So, whoops. <laughs> so bang out a little rewrite in there, add in a little bit. And, um, you know, they, I know they were checking our, um, our punctuation on the first couple of books. And I, I went out and got Grammarly premium 
so I don't worry about it anymore. But one of our books, we went through a comma coma because we had one beta reader that was putting them in and one beta reader that was taking them out. Oh my goodness. So, so it was like, Oh my God. So I just called it the comma coma. Right. I don't know what else you would call it. So I'm so, curious, is this author masterminds group? Are you taking new members? What we put together is called the readers and writers book club. Uh-huh. And that's readers and writers book club.com. And it's actually um, um, all of uh, all of the writers are involved in that. And we all write little things, you know, just maybe a short article, 1500 words. Um, it, it may or may not be about our books or our, our books topics. And we put them out at least once a month where we have some kind of like a piece of our writing, an idea of how we write. And those are free to the Readers and Writers Book Club members. So they can they can read a part of your work and decide whether they want to read a novel. And if they join the Readers and Writers Book Club, um, they can buy any of our novels for half off. So oh, it's cool. actually a pretty good deal. Yeah. So so our, our books are, you know, whatever the list price is, they give it to you for 50% off. My my writing group says we're not accepting new members, which is kind of a joke because there's only three of us. But we spend so much time talking, we wouldn't have time to bring another person in our circle. <laughs> but we we yeah. uh, you know we've been sharing some intimate stuff. We, I belong to a memoir group, so we've been sharing this really intimate stuff with each other for many years now. So it's not that easy to just bring somebody new in when they don't right. know what. The, the history of the writing mm. content has been so that's right. why I was curious if you're accepting new people and how that worked um well the the readers and writers group we we always accept people the author masterminds group was put together by the publisher and it's all authors that he publishes and some of the people want to commit to it and some of the people don't you know honestly because he's asking for a two hour a day commitment that you're going to be willing to work on promoting yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, good Lord. I spend probably 10 hours a day doing that between the writing and then, you know, the social media stuff, mm -hmm. just, just trying to make sure people know I'm here. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to have an online presence nowadays and it's so hard to get, right noticed in all of the noise so it's yes it is like a full-time job isn't it mm -hmm. yeah it is it absolutely is you know it's the housework goes to hell but you know heck the housework goes to heck <laughs> it's okay this is an adult <laughs> podcast you can say whatever okay. you want um, we're all grown-ups <laughs> i hope and if not sorry <laughs> i have no control over your children but um <laughs> that's funny now I lost track of what I was gonna say <laughs> it's oh. just a matter of time and and when I'm in writer's mode you know I'll write till 2 30 in the morning you know if if I got an idea mm -hmm. and I want to work it out I just keep going that's, that's you know the, I forget dinner artist. I forget anything yep that's the artist in you the creative yeah I get that I always say I'm kind of I get manic kind of like but when you're inspired and it's flowing and it's coming through you, you just, you, you have to get it out. You just have to. Mm -hmm. Well, stopping and starting is real. The starting is really hard if, if, after you've stopped. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 68,000 words into the new book. Tell, um, tell us I, about that. Tell us about book seven. Can you give us a, some spoiler alerts on it? Oh, sure. Well, um, it involves a young boy that immigrates to the United States under um, horrible circumstances, actually, and um, with his parents. And they move in with grandma and grandpa, who have immigrated earlier and are um, American citizens now. And his, um, his mother and father die in a horrible accident. 
So this kid has lost his, his friends, his home, his, his family, his parents, his language, because he doesn't speak English well. Mm-hmm. And he's been uprooted and he's put here in America. And um, the horse has a, a wonderful background. She's a brilliant horse, very sweet. Unfortunately, her, her, her people die. Mm. And she falls into a bad set of circumstances. And she ends up being transported halfway across the country to a rescue that specializes with Arabians. And when Grandpa discovers that equine therapy helps the grandson, then they decide to buy him a horse. And they're going to just happen to come upon Raven. Mm. And um, Raven is going to show some uh, talent that had never been seen before you know, in, in her past life. But grandpa was an Olympic, um, Olympic hunter jumper, a venting competitor. So he knows something about horses. So he helps transform this beautiful Arabian into much more. And they, the Arabian and the boy develop the relationship that all of my characters do. So I, lo- I love it. Again, bringing real, real world scenarios that do happen in the horse industry. A lot of these Arabs end up at rescues, if not the kill pens, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yes. I always mm-hmm. say Arabs aren't for everybody. A lot of them are misunderstood. I love that you're bringing mm-hmm. awareness to some of this real life stuff and the, the healing power of them. That's beautiful. Oh. Well, it's amazing what a horse can do, you know. Uh, Katie, in in this in book Cashmere, you know, she was a very driven girl. I mean, she had her life mapped out, and she had steps along the way that she knew she was going to achieve. And she missed one, and she missed one over an accident, mm. and she thought her life ended. She quit. She gave up. And she was depressed. She wouldn't go. She wouldn't go see her horses. She wouldn't do anything until she meets Kashmir, and he tries to rip her arm off. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest, the rest, you're gonna have to find out by buying the book and reading it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I think we all can relate to that too. I think I've had horses in my life that not necessarily mine, but I've had my arm almost ripped off. That's great. Um, yeah, right. I love it. So I, I would, I think it's safe to say that you're not stopping with just the seventh one, that there's still more stories in the series and they're just going to keep coming, aren't they? Yeah, we've already got a, um, Nancy and I talked out um, book number eight, uh, you know, the kernel of book number eight. And I think, it's going to be a young boy that that has, you know, is a horseback riding kid. But something happens and he becomes paralyzed. Mm. So what's left for him? Riding's kind of tough when you don't have any legs. Again, you can't control them. More real life so, stuff. Right. And, and you, we did we decided he, you know, driving is an option. Um, he can't drive a car, but he can certainly drive a horse. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. So I know these are kids' books, but these stories really have some depth and some meaning to them. I would think that it would be fair to say that adults can enjoy these books just as well as a, a kid can, can't they? I I believe more of our readers have been adults actually um i know paul husband i don't know if you know who he is Mm-mm. he was the son of the breeders of kimasabi oh, okay 
Okay. And he's been involved in Arabian horses for his entire life, obviously, because his folks were. And um, he's read all the stories and just loves them. He hasn't got cashmere yet, but I have to send it to him today. Well, and I know we're, this is just a podcast recording, but we can see each other right now. And you held up the book to me. And it's not like this little like 20-page kids book. There, That's a thick book you held up, isn't it? How many pages is cashmere? Well, it's, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I hadn't looked. Um, well, this one might be the biggest one yet. This was a great, fun story to write, though. Mm. I had a blast writing it. That's awesome. 272. And I tell you what. 72 pages. 72 pages, yeah. Yeah. And I tell you what, the, the very last sentence of the book makes me cry. Aww. Good. It's a good, a good cry. In a good way. I love it. Yes. I love it. So now I just don't want people to read the last sentence, you know. Right, don't buy the book that. and just go straight to <laughs> the last read sentence. The last sentence. <laughs> read the first two hundred and seventy-five pages oh, yeah. first, right? Um, <laughs> I think this is these books would make great holiday Christmas presents. So if people were wanting to snatch some of these up, um, are they all available on Amazon? They're available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and everywhere good books are sold. But and they can also they can also find them on our website if they want autographed copies. I would recommend they do that. So wonder wonderbooks.com. Wonderhorsebooks.com. Wonderhorsebooks.com. Yeah. They, want, they want an autographed copy, which would be a, a special treat for somebody getting this as a gift. That would be awesome. Oh yeah, because we have. We, we don't have any problems doing that. Or they can contact me directly on Facebook or LinkedIn because I have accounts there as well. Uh, and so if they were looking for you on Facebook, is it um, under your name or under Wonder Horse Books? I have it both ways. We have Wonder Horse Books and I also have um, my personal accounts pretty active, Victoria Hardesty. Okay. And, and um, I have a LinkedIn account for those that are more into the business stuff. And that's also under Victoria Hardesty. Um, and I have a Twitter account and Instagram is Wonder Horse Books. Okay. So you're out there. They probably could just find you under a Google search. God, no, please. You might find something bad. No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. I've had so much fun with you today. A lot of, you know, a lot of times I, I'm interviewing women in the horse industry that I've known for a long time just because that's how the horse world is, right? It's a small world. I've known people from the horse world for 20 some years. And thanks to Facebook, we get mm -hmm. to reconnect and keep in touch. And, and I hadn't um, formally met you till today. And I've just had such a pleasure um, getting to know you over the call and and hearing about these books as a fellow writer, I have just great appreciation from what you are doing, and I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Is there anything else well, you want to share? Um. Well, uh, <laughs> this is the part that I always fall down on. You know. Um, people want to read more about our books and see what each book is about, they can find that information on www.wonderhorsebooks.com and they, they can find out something about each one of the books. Now um, each book they, is, is its if, own story, so they don't necessarily have to be read in order. Is that correct? No. Well, what we actually did was we wrote the first four, um, that would be Prince Ali, La Duquesa, Desperado, and uh, Desert Rose. The four kids and the four horses become great friends. Mm. And those four, when, when Freedom's book came out, those four horses changed from whatever they were doing, they became endurance horses to help Freedom become an endurance horse. And actually two of them, 
finished the rode the tapas with him. Oh, cool! That, was, that cool. was the fun thing. And I had um, a great friend of mine, Gail Pena, who's been into endurance for I don't know about twenty years now, and she walked, trotted, and, and galloped me through the whole tapas ride, wow. so I could write that book. Wow! So it was oh. I couldn't have done it without her because you can find out what you can on the internet, but right. you don't get the personal perspective. And yeah, and I don't know about that. you, but I'm not ready to ride the 100-mile Tevis <laughs> myself to find out. No. <laughs> Holy cow, no. No, 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 no. Some of those, some of those parts of those trail uh, go 2,000 feet down in a mile. And a mile and a half. Yeah, and it's no, all switchbacks. You. It's like, how in the heck would you do that? Well, a lot of people get off and lead their horse through some of that. But, you know, there's there's spots on that trail. Pucker Point is another good one. <laughs> you know, the reason you're puckering is because the cliff is straight up on one side and it's 2,000 feet yeah, down on no. the other. And, and you got one horse wide. <laughs> no, I am a t I am a chicken shit. I rather read the book and live vicariously through the characters in the book. You know. Yes. Well, you know, I got to write the book, so it was fun. And the fun part was meeting some of the people and and doing that sort of thing. And that's part part of the fun for me was you know if I change discipline, I have to find somebody to talk to. You know, and and get a perspective on it with cashmere. I found the um, Hesperia Wranglers um, uh, queen coordinator. So she talked to me about the rodeo queen program. I had no idea it was that involved. You know, it's not just a pretty girl. Right. They do right. a lot of stuff. And yeah. there's a lot of requirements to, to become the queen. And um, so having her insight, she sent me the tests that they take. She sent me the questions they ask them. And I'm looking at that thinking at 13, how would I answer those? Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot to it. And yeah, there's actual schools they pay money to go to to get trained on how to go through those competitions. It's pretty, pretty involved mm -hmm. and intense. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and what's the payout? The payout is education. Believe it or not. Because every time these girls move up into a position, you know, they, they add to their bank account for their, for their education. And if they get to, you know, the state level and win the state champion, the state title, they get two years of their education paid for. If they go to the national level, they get four years. Yeah. Wow. So it's pretty incredible. I mean, the payoff's pretty good. Yeah, not too shabby, huh? So, you know, it's, some of that stuff is kind of fun to learn about. And I had to learn about a lot of it in order to write about it. So so I, I enjoy that part. It's the research. And I'm, I know some people that do jumping and do Arabian jumping. And I'm going to spend a lot of time talking to them for, for uh, Raven's book, Raven's Story. Well, I look forward to all the many more books you have in you just waiting to be birthed out. It's, I, it, it's cool. It's cool. I, I have a great appreciation for it because I was the girl that I have all of the Black Stallion <laughs> series. I read them all. And, and that's, I how I, that's how I fell in love with the Arabian horse. Oh, I, I still have the Black Stallion series in my library. And I have a whole collection of books that were put in the put out in the 50s each one was about a different horse and it was the horse collection of some somebody one of the publishers put it out and I read every darn one of them and my mother taught me to read at three because she was a reader my dad was a reader so of course I had to be a reader you know mm -hmm. and I took my first my my birthday money that year and I bought books two books the Black Beauty. That was the first book I learned to read. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I think if, to be a writer, you got to be a reader. That's true. 
that's very true. I've heard that lots of times before. Do you remember the black stallion and the girl? The girl, the girl's name was Pam. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I, I was like, oh, I'm just destined. I'm just destined. Even Walter Farley knows it. And I, right. I have a, um, a friend in Arizona. Her grandfather was Ed Tweed for Sally Arabians. Ed Tweed imported some of the first Polish Arabians to the United States. And, and um, Shelley, who is also a writer, um, she knew Walter Farley. They, they were friends and like pen pals and he had lost his daughter was a oh. story. And I think her name was Pam and he had lost his daughter who was about the age of Shelley. And so they really became close mm -hmm. friends and shared their writing with each other. And so it's kind of cool to hear these, these stories from her about him, oh. that, that she had that opportunity Oh my gosh, yes. And she has like oh, some amazing. Of, like original Walter Farley like hardback books. I'm like, wow, I don't even think you could find Ugh. these now. No, and if you could, they would be very, very costly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So I just minor fifth edition or something, but you know, they're it's okay. You can still read the covers off of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I just love how the horse brings people together, and I love connecting with other lifestyle horse women who love horses as much as I do, and then it's even more special to connect with one who loves Arabians as much as I do. So, again, oh, so, yes. so grateful for your time today, and um, we gave everybody all of your ways to be contacted and purchase the books, and... Any last words? You know, if people enjoy it, let me know. Write me. Get in touch with me. I'd love to hear it. Awesome. You know, it, it helps me be a better writer. If you don't like something, tell me that too. Right. <laughs> because maybe I, you know, you know, it's, I think feedback is one of the things that we miss a lot. And I, I'm open arms for feedback, positive, negative, talk to me. Okay. Well, you heard it, people. Victoria wants to hear from you. So anyhow, thanks again. And until next time, enjoy your horse.